Hello, and welcome to today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. I'm your host, Adam Homey, and I want to welcome you and just let you know that if you are tuned into the Business Creators Radio Show, you are in the right place if you fall into one of the following four categories. The first category is entrepreneurs, small business owners, and local business owners. The second category, marketing and business coaches. The third category are what I like to call the business creators, meaning folks who help others build their businesses, who support others to help them win at the game of marketing. And, of course, do-it-yourselfers who run your own businesses and just love to have your own hands on the levers when it comes to marketing. If you're one or more of the above, please take a moment and explore episodes and discover how our experts can help you win at business at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Also, be sure to check us out on iTunes. Just do a search for Business Creators Radio Show. Every five-star rating is greatly appreciated and helps us spread the message. Now, today, I'm especially honored to have as our guest, Ken MacArthur, who's going to speak with us about joint ventures. And for the one or two of you who probably have not heard of Ken MacArthur yet, I'll just tell you a little bit about him here real quick. He's the best-selling author of Impact, How to Get Noticed, Motivate Millions, and Make a Difference in a Noisy World. He's enabled thousands of people to achieve amazing impact by championing, championing the philosophy that partnerships and collaboration build value for everybody. He's been selected by Fast Company as one of the 20 most influential people online. His powerful call to action, the Impact Manifesto, you make a difference whether you want to or not, was selected for publication by Seth Godin's brainchild, Change This, which places his manifesto in the company of manifestos written by Seth Godin, Hugh McLeod, Guy Kawasaki, Chris Anderson, J. Conrad Levinson, God rest his soul, Tom Peters, Malcolm Gladwell, and Robert Scoble. Ken challenges us to realize we all have an impact, whether we want to or not, on thousands of people who we touch in our day-to-day lives by demonstrating that simple things make a huge difference. And those of you who have heard of Ken probably also know him as the JV Alert guy. Ken, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. So great to be with you. Thank you so much for taking time for us and for our listeners today. Now, before we dive in to our topic about joint ventures, let's just take a quick step back and give our listeners a chance to get to know Ken MacArthur, the man, a bit. Just tell us a little bit about your background and what brought you to where you are today, helping entrepreneurs and business owners grow their businesses and expand their marketing reach through joint ventures. Wow. Uh, <laughs> well, it's a long story, so I don't know if there is a short answer to this. Uh, I've been around since the dark ages of the Internet and and um, done some pretty amazing things, you know. Uh, I came from a technical background and developed some of the top uh, uh, websites on the Internet, have had multiple sites in the top 3,000 sites on the Internet. But, you know, I started out as an entrepreneur um, by ba- buying a pet store at age 20, if you can believe that one. <laughs> so wow. I've, been, I've been doing this for a long, long time. <clears throat> it's, uh, it, it's, a, it's a pretty incredible story, and along the way, we've actually been able to change thousands of lives and touch people, you know, p- particularly, I think, through our live events, because live events are such powerful ways to connect with other people and we can always do so much more working together than we can apart. And that's why joint ventures are so important, you know, to your progress. I I still remember the first joint venture I ever did uh, online. It was a simple email back and forth. Uh, <laughs> well, mo- more than one email, but 
but uh, I never even talked to the guy uh, in, uh, on the phone. And uh, together we did uh, about a quarter of a million dollars worth of recurring revenue in the first six months. So I discovered the wow. the power of joint ventures really, really early on, and I said, wow, if I could do that well with one joint venture, I didn't even talk to the guy on the phone. What could I do if we got more people uh, like Jim Daniels together, who was the first guy that I ever did a joint venture with? And so we developed uh, JB Alert, which was a membership site that helped uh, early Internet marketers to create massive impact by working together, and we launched that site uh, to 362 out of all the sites on the Internet. And the on the first day of pre-launch, and that was a pretty exciting thing. And then eventually we started getting together in live events and being able to create uh, massive impact, do great joint ventures. You know, some, some great stories have been told about the millions and millions of dollars that were made at JV Alert and, and uh, the powerful impact that that has had on, on many, many people in so many different ways. That's fantastic. Now, here in the Business Creators Radio Show, as our listeners know, we provide the tools, techniques, and strategies to help entrepreneurs quickly grow their businesses. And a lot of our listeners get back to me, and they say, Adam, you know, I have everything I need to succeed doing all this stuff except for time and money. Now, do you see this as an issue when trying to grow your business through joint ventures or finding joint ventures or leveraging joint ventures? Wow, time and money. Isn't that the, that's the ultimate question because <laughs> although we can grow money, um uh, fairly easily, um time is the one thing that, uh, that we just, we can't invent any more of. We can try and be as productive as we possibly can, but there's only so many hours in the day and you know what? That time is a lot shorter than we think it is. Uh, a, a good friend of mine, Ray Edwards, uh, from his podcast, The Ray Edwards Show, just did a, an episode in which he talked about uh, how to plan your year. And he started out with the fact that we all have to take away time for all those things that we need, you know. He suggests, you know, that we take out time for the weekends and that we take out time for um, <clears throat> for spending time with family. We take out time for vacations and then we take out time you know, for education and going to live events because that's so crucial to get together with other people. And by the time that you take out all of that time over the course of a year that you really need, you know, for your spiritual life, for your social life, for your physical health, um, and for your well-being, for your education and everything else, we have precious few hours in the day to be able to expand our lives and to really make the difference that we can. So that time that we spend has to be powerfully leveraged and joint ventures are certainly one of the best ways that we can possibly leverage our time and resources because what we're really doing is we're borrowing the time and resources of other people and when we work together we can do so much more than we can apart. That's very true and you make a great point there. Now, I think it would help our listeners greatly if we first define our terms. I mean, I think I've heard the phrase joint venture thrown around 23 times this week alone. And I bet you if I read my emails closely, I've probably been invited to join at least three or four. So, Ken, please tell us, what is a true joint venture? <laughs> well, it, it, it's changed over the world, and it certainly means different things to different people, that's for sure. 
if you went back, you know, to a lawyer and asked them what a joint venture was, you know, it comes in the form of a legal contract. Uh, my for first joint venture, though, we didn't ever even sign a piece of paper at all. Uh, for me, joint ventures are the ways that we can work together to create leverage and to create uh, greater benefits than what we can do uh, when, when we're working apart. Now, a lot of people, particularly in Internet, uh, in the Internet marketing arena, which is where I came from, I have my roots, you know, they think of joint ventures uh, as, you know, I'll promote uh, your product to my list or I'll, uh, I'll go out and I'll find partners who have lots of people on their lists and get them to promote uh, their products. But real joint ventures are so much deeper, and I think it all comes down to ultimately the people and the relationships that we build. Um, as the head of JV Alert and the JV Alert live events over the years, I get constant streams of people who want to do joint ventures with me, and, uh, you know, I kind of backed off of uh, doing joint ventures for a while just because there were so many people that wanted to work with me. Uh, I had to be really, really selective about, you know, what I could do. There's only so much time in the world, as we mentioned before. And I think uh, that as I've grown older and wiser, hopefully, um, I've really learned that joint ventures are really all about the relationship. They're all about the connections that we have with people. And the most powerful joint ventures are really focused around how can I integrate and complement what somebody else is doing in their business and in a way that uh, is a win-win situation for everybody. It's a win for the customer. It's a win for the partner that we have. It brings true value and true impact across the board to everybody that's involved in that. Because, you know, if if um, if I convinced you somehow to give me a dollar and then I turned around and said, well, here's $2 back, uh, and then I asked you for another dollar, um, it probably wouldn't be too hard to get you to agree to that. And if I right. continued to give you $2 back for every dollar that you that you gave me, you know, the word would probably spread. And if uh, somebody else came up to me and and said, can I give you a dollar and you give me back two? And I said, sure. And, that, you know, I wouldn't have any trouble marketing that. I wouldn't have to write great sales copy. Um, so when when you're thinking joint ventures, I think the first thing that you got to think of is you got to think of value. How much value can I possibly pile into this situation for my partner, for the end customer that's going to be resulting or is going to get the results of this joint venture in the form of a product or service that hopefully will make their lives so much better? How can I increase that value to the point that everybody is um, is really getting something magical, something that is special, something that's going to stand out and is going to be so much better than we can do uh, when we're working alone? That is fantastic. It's really great. In fact, a little eye-opening to me. Those of you who follow the Business Creators Radio Show regularly know that in addition to being the host, I join you as a student because our guest experts have so much that they have to share. And I know I've been particularly excited about Ken MacArthur here today. So, Ken, let's work backwards. What are some of the reasons an entrepreneur might want to think twice about entering a joint venture in the first place? I mean, it can't be a yes in every single scenario. <laughs> That's for sure. You know, I think we have to be selective. And the the first choice, you know, like just like I mentioned before, is the relationship. 
I think you want to I think you want to develop a real relationship before you go into a joint venture relationship. So so many times we are looking for that quick fix. We're looking for uh you know the easy the, the easy way to make money so quickly. And in a lot of cases that can burn us, you know. Uh you have to be aware of the fact that if you're partnering with somebody, you're also responsible for the results that they deliver. You're responsible for the actions that they take. I mean, the FTC comes down really heavily on you in terms of, of you as a product creator. Uh, for instance, if you're going out there and other people are making claims about your products, you can be held responsible for that. So that means right. that you need to make sure that you know who you're getting into bed with so that you know who the the people are that are involved. You You've trained them. You've educated them in what your product or service can do and what it can't do, you know. <laughs> you can't go out there and promise <laughs> the world to people and then not deliver on that promise. And if you do, you're going to find yourself in hot water really, really quick, and sometimes that can be really, really painful. So you've got to do your due diligence. You've got to build those relationships first. That's why live events, I think, are so crucial in that process. You know, when we sit down with somebody face-to-face, you can get a sense of who they are you can get a sense of of whether or not they're going to deliver or not. And you know, I, I told my daughters as I as they were growing up, I said you may not be able to catch somebody in a lie, but you always know who the liars are, even if they're just stretching the truth, right? You know, we we know those people that exaggerate a little bit or something like that. And when we're in a group setting where other people know the same individuals, you can uh, easily get feedback on those individuals, too. You can find out whether they've delivered for other people. And so that's a powerful, powerful thing about getting together face-to-face. You know, something like JV Alert is a great advantage to people who want to do joint ventures just because they can get the group opinion about those people and they can look those people in straight in the eye and they can see that, you know, we as human beings are made up of so much more than just our business ideas or so much more than just making money. You know, the the prime motivating factor for a joint venture partner may not be money at all. As a matter of fact, some of the most successful entrepreneurs that are out there, their main uh, motivating factors are have nothing to do with money. <laughs> In a lot of right. cases, they got plenty of money already, and and um, and their motivating factors may be what they're passionate about, what they care about, how they want to have an impact in life, uh, the difference that they want to make, how they want to be significant in the world, and matter, you know, for for the fact that they came in the world, um, you know, to leave some kind of a legacy. So if those are factors in people's motivations, those are things that we ought to be listening to uh, when we create joint ventures. That is a lot to think about, and thank you for sharing all those great insights. Now, while we're on this related subject, I just had some sort of pop into my mind here that I've been thinking about as I go through emails on a daily basis. I've heard people mention the difficulties with joint ventures, specifically when it comes to people cross-promoting or promoting each other, and sometimes, I just got to bring this up and get your thoughts on this. This can look absurd to a prospect, especially when you have this one prospect, and they're on like 10 different people's email lists. And all 10 of those people are promoting the same person's launch where yeah. you know, they, see, they see maybe out of those 10 people promoting that launch, 
seven of them are sending the exact same email that was written for them by that person promoting the launch, and then you have a couple others who are creating bonus experiences or buy through my link and I'll give you these extra bonuses or they're throwing in their own story with it, and it becomes a matter of, well, you know, maybe I do want to buy this. Maybe I do want to go to this event. Maybe I do want to be one of the first people at the door when they open the doors to this this new system or this new program. But who do I buy through? Uh, what, what do I do? I mean, is this? I mean, what's really going on here? Is this even really a joint venture? What are your thoughts on this? And how can somebody break through if they're one of the ten people promoting that same thing? How can they be the one that really stands out? <laughs> I, um, you know, I, I mentored uh, a guy by the name of Sterling Valentine on his first uh, product launch, and uh, it was an interesting experience. And I, I still remember talking to Sterling as we were beginning the project, and I said, "Your potential customer is not your end user," which is kind of interesting. You know, you're thinking about it. He was creating a product about joint ventures, but the people who were uh, actually going to purchase the product were not the people that were his main audience. And the reason was because when Sterling Valentine started out, he had no list, he had no product, he had no service, just a beat-up laptop and a dream is what, is what he said. Sure. <laughs> uh, and we created something out of stra- scratch. We went out and got joint venture partners, you know, for Sterling. Uh, and J- Sterling worked really, really hard to get those joint venture partners. But I told him at the time, I said, your joint uh, venture partner is your customer because they're the people that own the relationship with the list. You know, they're the people that have the the relationship with the people that are subscribed to their newsletters or their podcasts or you know, any of those kinds of ways that we reach out to other people. And that's what you do ultimately as a as a super affiliate or as a uh, newsletter uh, writer or a blogger or a podcaster is you develop a, a, a loyal audience that trusts you, you know. Uh, when I first started out and I had no list whatsoever, I asked the simple question, you know, who are my potential customers and who are they listening to right now? Who do they trust, you know? And that trust is so, so important. At the time, it was a guy by the name of Jim Daniels, and he was just a heart and soul kind of guy, you know, just an ordinary guy, had gone out, decided he was going to make a living online, and he wrote a simple newsletter that he put out once every month, and that was all he did. He just wrote about the things that he discovered and the things that he did. But he was so heart and soul. He was such a simple, um, uh, heartfelt person that you just knew that you could trust Jim Daniels. And and because of that fact, when Jim said to buy something, people just bought that, you know, because they knew that he had their best interests at heart. So if you're going to be an affiliate for somebody else's products and services, you need to develop that that relationship with the list that's so powerful that they wouldn't even consider buying from somebody else if something you know new comes out because the loyalty is to you to the fact that you're going to give them good value that you're going to lead them through this labyrinth of offers and so many things out there you know this is a noisy world out there there's there's yeah. thousands of of um commercial promises and offers and, uh, you know, all kinds of people that are trying to grab our heart, souls, minds, and pocketbooks, you know, along the way at any instant. I mean, if I looked around the room that I'm in right now, 
I can see countless promotional messages that are coming to me right now. So how do you break through that noise? You develop the deep, deep relationship with the people that trust you, you know, and it doesn't have to be everybody in the world. You can make a living uh, with a list of 3,000 people if you have that deep trust and if you give them real value. And as an affiliate, you know, you don't even have to come up with the value. You don't, you don't even have to, you don't have to support the sale, you know. You, you just need to find quality and real value and people that are going to support sales and then just make those recommendations to other people. So if you're going to be an affiliate, uh, you know, the best thing that you can do in this, in this world as far as, you know, standing out and being unique and, and making them come to your version of this offer that they could get anywhere is to develop that relationship with your end user, with your, what I call an audience, you know, the people that you're talking to. Be trustworthy, give value all the time. People will respect you and they'll come to you when they want something because you're the person that they trust. You hit on some really good points, and I remember back in the day, I used to have, when I was in a different business, I used to have folks who wanted to refer people to me all the time, and unfortunately, some of these folks were more motivated about the hope of getting an affiliate commission from me than really sending me any quality referrals, and, and, and it showed. It's like some of the swatsmen, Justin, they sent to me. It's like, really, where's the no like and trust? I mean, I do some affiliate marketing in my own business where I promote other people's things and vice versa. And the biggest piece of my pitch, if we want to call it, is the level of trust and the level of relationship, my ability to demonstrate that I personally am familiar with the results that come from this. So when I see affiliate promotions and everybody's blasting out everybody else's stuff, fortunately I don't see as much of it as I used to. But sometimes for the really big launches that attract a lot of high-quality, high-level affiliates, I'll be on all these different lists and I'll see all these different promotions come through. And, like, how do I really know which one to invest in? And you just gave some great points. It's really not about that promotion in and of itself as a standalone, it's more about what has that person whose list I've been on, who I've been following, who I have some sort of marketing or business or personal relationship with, been doing to build that know, like, and trust. And I think that has a lot to do with joint ventures. So now let's dive into how and where do you find good joint venture partners, and how do you develop a set of criteria for knowing who is a good joint venture partner? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you you have to you know you could go down and define a list right now of things that that uh, that you attributes that that people would have uh, that uh, you know make up your standard for what you want as a partner. You know, I'll I'll give you a couple of examples just off the top of my list. First of all, I don't want to do business with anybody that I don't trust. You know, right? <laughs> you know, True. I I think that. Uh, uh, all sales are are based on two things uh trust and value you know uh and if you don't trust somebody if you can't look them in the eye and and think you know what um I'd like to know this person better I really respect this person you know this person really uh delivers value every time I I talk to them you know I'd love to spend more time with this person if you aren't having those kinds of feelings uh then maybe you ought to think twice about whether or not you want to you want to work with this person because uh, the truth uh, ultimately comes out. You know, the the brain and our evolution over many many generations has created a marvelous sense of of being able to 
to tell things, uh, read signals from people on a, a minute level, you know, that comes down to micro inches, you know, on the on the face or something like that of of who we can who we can trust and who we know is really valuable. So trust those instincts. And and here's the other thing, you know, I I love when I go out to my conferences to sit at a window seat of the airplane. The reason I like to do that is because I like to look down at the people and see the little ants scurrying uh, around as I take <laughs> off, you know. And the reason is because that reminds me of the fact that there are countless opportunities out there. We think that the opportunities have to be in our block you know, or in our right. town or in our city. And the truth is there are billions of people on this planet, and billions of people make billions of opportunities. So if you don't like somebody, if you don't trust them, if you don't have that feeling of security, if you don't see the value in what they're offering, guess what? There are thousands and thousands, if not millions, of other things that you could be doing that would uh, really deliver true trust and true value and and would be a you know in synergy with what you're trying to do that would be in alignment with the values that you stand for. I'd be looking at the values of the people that you deal with and see if they have the values that you want to emulate. Do you want to be like this person? Is this what you truly want to represent? Um, and, you know, I, I say, for instance, uh, jerks don't come to JV Alert Live. Okay. <laughs> and the reason is uh, not because people won't uh, wander in off of the street who are jerks, but if they do, they they come into JV Alert, they see all of these people that are warm and giving and supportive and and they just say, This is you know, this is too too uh warm and fuzzy for me. I, I just want somebody to go out there and, and I just want to make the money, you know? Uh mm-hmm. <laughs> and and they don't feel that comfortable in that kind of an atmosphere, you know. So every one of us has that environment, that perfect kind of a feel, the values that we stand for and uh, the people that we want to be around. And I think that's the way that we ought to set up joint ventures is that we ought to find people with common values and common interests, and we ought to find people that stand for the same things that we stand for and then develop those deep relationships and find out how we can deliver value above and beyond just what we can do alone by working together. Because if you do that, you're going to attract the people that are attracted to those values, to those traits, and uh, those are your potential customers. You know, we so many people, when they're asked, they say, you know, my, my product can help everybody, and the, the truth is that's just not true, you know. Um, everybody doesn't need the same things. You know, we all need food, but that's a commodity. If you're dealing in, in a commodity, uh, you know, if you're dealing in toilet paper, that's a tough business to be in, right? You have to sell cheap. Yeah. You have to sell it to the masses. You have to do distribution. That's a lot of work. You know, why not have something that is totally unique that really stands for you and the significance and the difference that you make, the art, the science, the technology that we can bring into play that really has an impact that is uniquely us because if we can – then what we're going to get is we're going to get customers that have the same values. It's going to be so much more. Uh, it's going to be so much easier for us if we can attract those kinds of people that we want. I actually have on the JV Alert Live uh, main page. I have a, a video that runs about three minutes, which 
basically describes the attributes of the people that I want to work with, my perf- my perfect clients, you know. And we ought to be defining that. We ought to be saying, you know, who do we want to work with? Do we want to work with people who are just in it to make a quick buck uh, in the next, you know, few days? If you do, they're going to be terrifically disappointed if they don't make uh, millions of dollars in the next few days, and then you're going to have to deal <laughs> with all those problems, you know. Right. So uh, I'd rather work with people that know that there's hard work to be put in, that that we need to create something of clear value, that change happens all the time, and and that if you can't adapt to change, that you're not going to be able to have the results that you want. And, and the fact that... Uh, you know, people uh, who who see the positive sides of things. I don't want to have people that are just whiners and complainers and stuff like that as True. customers because that's an awful uh, clientele to have, right? So why not just oh, go yeah. out and say exactly who you want to meet, who you want to have come to you, and the kind of person you are. Be out there, stand for it. There's plenty of room for variances. You know, there's people. Right. That, uh, I have <laughs> I have two of my friends that come together, and uh, they're they're both near and dear to me. And if you put them in a room, they're about as politically opposite as you can possibly imagine. <laughs> But uh, but I, I have I have that uh, that interesting attribute that I really like a variety of people. You know I, I like people who believe all kinds of things. So so uh, magic can happen. We don't have to stand for everything. We don't have to be everyone. And you know if you can if you can get three thousand, five thousand, ten thousand people that think just like you do. Uh, who believe the same things you do, who stand for the same things you do, that's an easy way to make a living, right, to be able to service those people and give them exactly what they want. You just reminded me of a really funny story here, and I think this might add a little bit of something to the great points you just mentioned. Uh, There's somebody I met at an event about four years ago, and she and I have kept in touch occasionally through Facebook and things like that, and I noticed that one day she was asking a question. She she needed help with something technical, and I knew the answer right then, so I I typed off the answer, and then I said, by the way, I've sent you something else privately. that, uh, that I think uh, will help you as well. And she, you know, she wrote back and she said, oh, that's, that's so great. And, uh, you know, I think it's awesome that we can help each other, even though we absolutely don't agree with on anything politically. And I said, well, one of these days you'll come around. And I put a smiley face <laughs> on it. And I said that, uh, and, I, and, and, then, and then what was interesting, she tends to be of the, you know, very liberal left-wing persuasion. So I, came, I, I had this really nice quote from Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who I could tell was somebody that she admires, uh, about how he, I, I can't remember it word for word, but the gist of it was, is that there's no way you're ever going to find anybody you agree with completely. So focus on areas where you can work together to change the world and just leave all the other stuff out of it. Yep. Yeah, exactly. There's so many, there's so many ways that we can connect on so many different levels. You know, I, uh, <laughs> uh, Joel Com, uh, branded me as the nicest guy in internet marketing. I'm not sure that's such a, a, a good branding. <laughs> I'd rather be known as the richest guy in internet <laughs> marketing or something like that. Nice guys always finish last. But, but, um, but uh, you know, I, I have an ability to get along with a lot of different people and, and to develop relationships with a lot of, of different people. But there are people that just can't stand me. And typically those people are the people that really want me to judge somebody else because 
I'm I'm basically constitutionally incapable of judging other people. I've uh, I've been really lucky, you know, all through my life. I had parents that loved me. I had an education. Mm-hmm. I had friends. I had mentors. I had people that supported me every step of the way. I had decent health. I had a halfway decent brain. You know, I, I've been incredibly lucky, and yet I know how hard it was for me at some points along the way where I thought I just can't get through another day. I can't. I don't know how I'm going to function. I don't know how I'm going to survive. So if it was that hard for me, just imagine, you know, somebody that uh, didn't grow up in those wonderful situations, didn't have loving parents, you know, was beaten maybe every day, didn't have the freedom of being born in uh, in an amazing area of the world that uh, that valued freedom, you know, that uh, right. that uh, so many advantages that that we have. So I find it incredibly difficult to judge anybody else uh, on their actions. I don't know what I would do in their shoes, and um, so if we can just um, if we can just realize that we all have an impact, whether we want to or not, on thousands of lives, and if we can actually realize that we have the art, the science, the technology to make that impact so much more leveraged, and joint ventures are certainly a way that we can do that. Uh, leveraging in a way that just impacts millions and millions of people. I'd love to, you know, help people get uh, their their good ideas, products and services out to people because when we do it it makes for a better world and guess what? This world can be better or it can be worse, you know. Uh think of just just for a moment, think of the difference that it might have made in the world if if uh, Adolf Hitler had been successful as a painter instead of as a as a politician and and uh, propagandist, you know, if he'd used yeah. those talents to move in the art world, if he'd been able to, instead of being angry and bitter, he had been successful in a way that brought beauty to the world. Uh, how would that have impacted the world, you know? Yeah, and we and we can talk about Hitler all day long. I mean, I, I'm I'm very much a history buff, and and World War II history is actually one of my favorite niches within that, and I've done. So much studying on Hitler and some of the things that happened in his childhood and some of his early life where things had just sort of skewed the other way, he could have been something completely different where, yeah. you know, we can't just say they were victims of circumstance, but there is the reality that what we see around us and what influences us does push us in one way or the other, whether we realize it or not. If he had had, um, if he had, had a dad that didn't beat him and a mother that didn't smother him and uh, he hadn't ended up as a as a homeless vagabond for four years, he probably could have done something completely different with his brilliance and we could you know, we might now be praising him for having cured cancer. You just never know. That's exact that's exactly right. You know, I had an event in Philadelphia where we brought hundred and fifty people here and we we kind of wanted to prove the book uh the concepts in my book impact how to get noticed motivate millions to make a difference in a noisy world and we actually adopted a case study uh, a guy by the name of Jeremiah who who had as a teenager actually um almost committed suicide on the south side of uh, Chicago and then he got through it you know with the help of some other people and then as a young man he went back to help uh, kids that were at risk for uh teen suicide and we were able to you know use all of the different ways that we have the powerful tools you know audio video uh social media so many things that we know about persuasion corporations all kinds of 
ways that we can tap into uh, speech writing and, uh, and and messaging and all of those different things, radio, television. We got a, a simple message of hope to 30 million people over the course of, of 30 days. And at that event, we actually asked people, you know, two simple questions, no prompting whatsoever. The two questions were really simple. Who's the person who had the biggest impact in your life ever? And the second question was, what did they do to have that impact? And the people that had the impact were all across the board. Maybe it was a friend, a parent, a teacher, a bum off the street that they never saw again. Uh, so it was all over the place. But the, the common thread that went through all of the stories of the person that had the biggest impact in their entire life was uh, that it was just a simple kind word at the right time when somebody needed a cur- encouragement. A, a teenage mother, I remember, you know, that... Uh, came to the event and was remembering how somebody had come up to her and had actually encouraged her that she could get through this teenage pregnancy. And and the week before, she had just been there at her daughter's uh, graduation. You know, what what would have happened uh, if that word of encouragement hadn't been made and, and she had lost her daughter because she didn't think she could get through being a teenage mom, you know? So... Uh, we have a huge impact, and the small things are the things that make the difference, you know. Same thing is true in joint ventures. The small actions that we take, the small things that we stand for, the value that we really deliver um, have the biggest impact in joint ventures uh, because if we can stand as quality people and we can deliver real value and if we can actually do the things that we say we're going to do that's so rare (laughs) you know how many times have you had people come up to you and say i'm going to do this for you and then they didn't do it uh you know so right if we can do those things if we can stand for uh things that are are valuable and important uh we can make a huge difference and uh and we can use that leverage to impact millions of people Right, and I think that just a real quick point, because you mentioned people make commitments they can't follow through on. I mean, I've been in a situation where I've missed a couple commitments, too, and I don't think there's anybody listening who hasn't screwed it up once or twice. And when I look back at some of those instances, I realized that I was overcommitting, I was committing to the wrong things, and I was in places where there really wasn't a whole lot of resonance, so I didn't have a lot of energy and enthusiasm around coming through on what I said I was going to do. And when I didn't fall through and somebody was disappointed at, you know, over it or at me, I was at a point where it's like I almost shrugged my shoulders like, oh, well, what can I do? And it's because I wasn't coming from a place of resonance. I wasn't coming from a place where uh, I was fully in integrity and I was doing the things and networking with the people I want to network with. Well, Ken, i got to tell you, this has been a fantastic interview so far, and we're already two-thirds of the way through it. I mean, we could probably talk all day just on these <laughs> topics. So I kind of want to skip ahead here a little bit. Sure. And I know that a few folks who, uh, who knew that we were going to have you on the show here asked me a couple questions, you know, a little bit of the cautionary tale nature. And I think this would be really helpful to some of our listeners, and one of which is, uh, and here's something, this actually happened to a friend of mine. They got involved with a joint venture with someone, and this was the type of joint venture where they both rendered a specific service together, but they each had their own businesses, which in some ways were related to or complementary to the joint venture. And what started to happen where was pattern A would be doing things in his own business, where he'd be making moves, making deals, getting clients, and then partner B would hear about it and say, wait a minute, where's my cut? 
Meanwhile, what Partner A was doing was not actually part of the joint venture. So I guess what I'm asking is, how can you prevent a situation where a joint venture starts to claim a mortgage on your entire business, where they start with the assumption that everything you do is the joint venture, even though the joint venture may only be a small piece of what you do. I mean, Ken, I have to imagine, you know, you've been in so many joint ventures. I'm sure that many of these JVs you've been in have overlapped with the core of your business, so that didn't mean that everything you did in your business was part of the JV. How do you prevent that? <laughs> well, you know, there's no new ideas under the sun. <laughs> you know, yes. so number one. The first thing, uh, the first mistake I think people make is when they come to me for a joint venture and they 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 say, Ken, will you uh, will you sign a non-disclosure agreement and a non-compete uh, agreement? And and I I will absolutely not uh, sign a, a non-compete or a non-disclosure kind of an agreement. Not to, not because I want to go out and and uh, you know say things about you and your product and your service or that I necessarily want to compete directly with you in any fashion but uh but there is nothing new under the sun and guess what i may want to do some of those things that those ideas that you haven't told me about yet and, right. and a lot of times you know people think really really generally you know what if they thought well uh, i have an internet business therefore anything that's on the internet that you do is covered by my idea right so right. Uh, I, I think it's Im- important to clearly define up front, you know, the roles and and the elements. So I mentioned to you, for instance, that uh, in the first joint venture that I didn't have any contract whatsoever, uh, and that was because it was a really, really um, uh, clear delineation of the roles. Now, Jim Daniels, um, I went to because I had a system i had a a a a portal system that i had used i i was selling it for like thirty thousand dollars to non-profit organizations and they weren't really using it very well and i said to jim i said there's got to be some way that we can use this powerful uh web development system to benefit your customers well what can we do together and he came up with some ideas and we went back and forth and we developed a a whole new platform and we got to thinking you know what are we going to do how are we going to write this down and how are we going to define what their agreement is and it got so complicated and you know what the truth was that that jim didn't want to maintain a technical system jim didn't want to own a technical system he didn't want to support the customers after the fact really all he wanted to do was think up some great ideas treat the product like it was his own and then send his customers over there and, and know that they'd be supported and and uh and so we just we just uh made a simple affiliate agreement so Jim Daniels was just like any other uh affiliate you have to clearly delineate who's going to have the ownership and in this case what i did was we we set it up so that i always owned 100% of affiliate showcase and so when I uh, when that was clear, it was really easy, you know, to know who was going to support the customer, who was going to uh, take care of it if there were technical problems and things like that. Jim actually cashed six-figure checks, you know, based on his referrals uh, because he treated it like it was his own product, and yet he didn't have any of the hassles, he didn't have any of the complications, didn't have any of the responsibilities of somebody that was supporting that system. So if you can clearly define who the ownership, where the ownership lies, and what the responsibilities are, 
and what's covered, uh, you know, in as much detail and as simply as possible, I think, then uh, it's going to be a heck of a lot simpler if things don't work out or somebody's interest, you know, go. Because the one great uh, truth that we, we can absolutely depend on is that things will change. We think that... Uh, we think that the world's going to go on the same way that it always has, and the truth is it never does, right? And <laughs> it never yeah. has. You know, it's always changing every minute. So our priorities change, our our goals. You know, what happens if you suddenly are involved in an accident? Um, I had a startup program that was in the top 3,000 sites on the Internet. It was poised, ready to go launch uh, to take it even higher, and uh, my my chief technical officer had um, had uh, two to three flatline heart attacks, appendicitis, uh, diabetes, um, a cyst between the halves of his brain, and a half wow. a dozen other uh, medical conditions, all within the course of three weeks. <laughs> so you don't know what's going to happen to you. That certainly puts a different perspective on whether or not he's going to be, you know, supporting you technically, you know, on a on a project, right? So you don't know what's going to happen. Uh, you don't know what's going to uh, happen when you get up in the morning. You don't know what's going to happen when you cross the street. And just because, you know, somebody's young and eager and has their whole life ahead of them doesn't mean that the rest of their life isn't three more days, you know. So uh, so we have to take those things into consideration when we lay out joint ventures. We have to know that that whatever we're doing isn't forever, you know. So uh, we want to have clear exit uh, points. We want to have clear responsibilities that are laid out in advance so that we know, you know, what's taken care of. What happens if somebody gets a divorce in a, in a joint venture or relationship? But the bottom line is, how can we make this as simple and clear as possible? Because if we okay. can make it simpler, then it's going to be a lot easier to maintain, right? Right, right. And, and my advice to my friend was that uh, in order to, and yeah, I would like to get your thoughts on this peer to peer. My advice to my friend was, you know, next time you get in a joint venture like that, where the joint venture overlaps your core business. Be very clear what you're doing through that joint venture. You know, say something like, "This joint venture is about rendering this one service. Anything right. that either of us get as a follow-up to that, neither of us has a mortgage over the other, so don't ask. All we do is this service, and we keep doing this service, this service, this service, this service, and we do it together. And we agree that we won't independently do this one service, but everything else is fair game. And I think he might have had a, a better." way I think he may have had a better run with that and he probably would have done more of that service actually because they wouldn't have been trying to like expand it in twenty five different directions. That would have been my personal advice. What do you think of that? Yeah, I think that's I think that's good advice. Be as clear as you possibly can. The other way to do it is let's just try something small first. <laughs> you know? Okay. You know? Because so many times we have these huge involved projects and we don't even know if the public is gonna want them, right? So we put three right. years into working on a project that we don't know anybody is is going to even like in the first place. I think that the, the same thing is true of joint ventures. We don't even know if we're really going to like working together in the first place. So why don't we try it out as a first step in a small way? So uh, in development, we call it minimum viable product. You know, what's the yeah. least that we can possibly do to, to turn a profit 
in terms of uh, narrowing things down to the core that's going to be the most profitable, the most fun, the most deliverable, you know, the easiest to, to deliver on, the, the least amount of investment, and, and take that core minimum viable product and uh, start with that, right? And then see, well, we can, after this, we can decide we're going to go into this and we're going to expand this and we're going to work more on this. This is taking off really well in a way that, you know, that we didn't expect. And if you look at any any huge startup success in in the world, uh, chances are that they're not doing, after they become successful, the thing that they started doing. You know, which is kind of ironic, you know. Uh, you know, uh, um, Google, for instance, did not make all of its tons of money by doing search. You know, that's not right. how they made their money. Uh, it was a great idea. They did it really, really well, and they discovered some ways to make money after the fact. You know, but if they if they'd started out with an advertising platform. And uh, and really started with that as the core idea, um, they probably wouldn't have ended up in the same place that they did, you know. And right, they, right. I look at I look at all the other search platforms that used to be there that I used to use when I was back in college, uh, uh, not yeah. even all that many years ago, and they're all gone. And truth is, Google bought most of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They ended up buying the technology and adding it to their own to make it better to make a better search engine. So Google had a longer range strategy, and I think that's where they kind of came out of nowhere and knocked everybody around. So what I'd like to propose right now is if you and I could do like a like a very 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 minimal joint venture here with each of us having equal rights. Because you mentioned the idea of a minimum viable product or a minimum viable resource. And uh, as you were saying, I typed down on my notepad the phrase minimum viable website. Mm. Because I teach people all the time, when you're first launching a product or first launching a service or first launching a business, uh, before you incur ten to fifteen thousand dollars in development charges uh, and everything else, trying to get all the I's dotted and T's crossed and get yourself into a financial and emotional hole before you even show your website to the world, install WordPress, buy a theme, do a few blog posts, and get the website conversion conversation going and find out if people would actually buy the damn thing. So in right, other words, you right. do the minimum viable on your website that you need to show people that your business. Where if it works out, awesome. If it works fine, but you need to do some tweaking. Well, you don't have too much to throw away. And if the thing's a turkey, you just unhost it and move on. Yeah, exactly right. I mean right. that that that's the that's the crucial factor. I mean, I have a, a project that I'm working on right now, which is a a Google-sized startup. Okay, <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> so the idea is huge, and the idea is basically everything about everybody. And if you thought about the Google for people, then that would be the scope of the, of the idea. Everything you wanted to know about somebody, all their financial stuff, all of their uh, psychological stuff, everything that you could imagine about a person. Well, that would be a huge project, you know, to try and undertake, right. uh, to develop uh, from scratch. But you can you can limit things down. Uh, you know, for instance, what if I focused on 100 people? What if I focused on the U.S. Senate, for instance? That's only 100 people. That would be a lot right. less difficult well what if i focused on one senator what if i got every information you know every bit of information about one senator that'd be a heck of a lot easier you know what if i put on just this one feature and then i delivered a report on the back end that could be a fairly simple product so if you see me going from huge 
down to something that could be executed. We could find out if there's any interest of, of people learning about other people or whether they'd buy a, a profile or something like that as an idea. Right. So so that's that's the way that you should approach joint ventures the same way. We have this great vision of all the things that we can do together, how we can uh, bring all of our talents and, and services and products together, and it will be so much better. But what's the core of what's the what's the one thing that would make everything else so much easier, you know, and much right. uh, so much more uh, efficient and and more effective, and and would make our lives better? What's the one thing that we could concentrate on today to bring that to fruition just as quickly as possible? Because if we can concentrate on the one thing then that will help us to focus so much better. You know, I tell people when you start out, and let's say you have uh, three projects that you're working on, each one takes 30 days to get to the money. That means if you're working on three projects and you have no lag time switching between projects, that it's 90 days to get to the money. But if you're only focused on one project, you can get to the money in 30 days. You can reinvest that money back into making your progress that much more efficient and that much more supported. You can build systems that work in one project that can be applied to other projects. And So if you can have that focus, you can have that direction, then you're going to get some much better results. Same thing is true for joint ventures. If you if you concentrate on the one aspect, the one thing that would be the greatest synergy that you could do together, then we can always expand out on those. You know, why not stop, start with just something really, really simple, something really, really basic that will prove to both of us, you know, that we can work together and that um, and that it'll be a fun experience, you know. So uh, it, life is too short to waste. Uh, spending time, you know, working with people that you really don't want to work with. If you don't like the people you're working with, there's about nine billion other people on the planet. So, I think that's I think that's very true. One of the many things I like about you, Ken, is the way you do business and the way you do life really reflects that statement. Where you start with something measurable, like if you're if you're working on the fastest path to the cash, and you, you know, you say if you focus on one thing in 30 days, you can make the money. Whereas if you're focusing on three things that can get stretched out. I think it's the same with marketing, where I know anybody who attends one of your events who really digs deep with what they're doing with you can discover essentially a blueprint for business. I mean, I, I've you know been studying your stuff for some time, and I happen to know that's true, but you lead with things like joint venture, and you lead with things like impact. It's all a matter of how you attract people and what it is that they're looking for that they need help with. And once you solve that problem for them, then you have the opportunity to solve other issues. So I may come to you needing help with getting joint ventures, but then you can turn around, you can show me how to do product launches, you can show me how to do websites, social media, and anything else uh, that uh, you have available. Now, we're um, you know very near the top of the hour. In fact, we only have about three minutes left before they tune us out and move on to the, uh, the next show that's coming up here. So what I want to do, Ken, is I want to just turn over the floor to you and, you know, in terms of my gratitude to you for everything you've shared with us today and just give you a couple minutes and let our listeners know where they can go, um, how they can connect with you to get further assistance or if they want to explore any of these topics further. Well, thank you so much for that. And it's been a great conversation. I've really enjoyed spending this time with you. You can find uh, lots more information about me if you just do a simple search on Google for Ken McArthur. That's K-E-N-M-C-A-R-T-H-U-R, Ken McArthur. And you can go to KenMcArthur.com to find out uh, all kinds of information 
Uh, I also have a podcast uh, called The Impact Factor on iTunes. If you just yep. uh, search for Ken MacArthur on iTunes, you'll find that. And and that's a way that I connect with people to try and have an impact. You know, I want to make a difference because we all make a difference. And we all want to be significant and help people to develop a more positive world. So many ways that we can do that working together. And I'd love to have people connect with me in any way that they would like to. I'd like to be able to support them in any way that I can. Thank you so much for sharing my ideas with uh, so many people. Uh, you you really um, had an impact in my life. Well, I and, and I appreciate you, Ken. So uh, for everybody, Ken MacArthur, uh, Thank you very much for being with us today, and I just want to remind our listeners real quick as we close up, uh, please be sure to check out all of our previous and upcoming episodes of Business Creators Radio Show. Just go to www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. And as a quick note about Ken, remember that all of our guest experts have profiles on our website that include links to their website, links to their social media, and information about them. So anytime you choose to reach out and connect, and explore more about what they have to offer, we make that easy for you to do. We try and honor our guests in every way we can, and I think one way of doing that is using the Business Creators Radio Show as a platform to continue to build connections. I know we've had, you know, listeners engage our experts and end up hiring them, and we've, in one case, had an expert end up hiring a listener who reached out. It's kind of funny how this works. So never, never short shrift any reasonable opportunity to make a difference. And it might not be that person you're networking with right now that can make the difference, but it might be somebody they know, or it might be some comment you make on their Facebook status that one of their friends sees and they reach out to you. I've, I've gotten clients that way. You just never know how it's going to happen. So let me just close out by saying this is Adam Homie, host of Business Creators Radio Show. Have a great day, and we'll see you next time. Take care.